I speak to you in the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Friends, the title of my sermon this morning is Bricks for My Fortress. Today in our sermon series about the habits of the heart that block grace, we'll begin a conversation about the habits of the heart that are fundamentally linked to fear. We've discussed pride and its close friends, envy and mendacity. And today we're going to start with avarice, move on to gluttony, and finally fear itself. And its traveling companions make up the half of most of the people that surround us. And it's important that we look at both the pitfalls and the great gifts that are on offer from this way of being. But before we launch into the sermon on avarice, I want to remind you why we're having this extended conversation about these habits of the heart and the way that they block the work of grace. We're having this conversation because it is real life. Because we all have a fundamental way of being that shapes the way we interact with the world around us and the way that we relate or more often the way that we do not relate to God. We're having this conversation because until we know about the idols that we worship that we may not be able to see, we won't know how to stop worshiping them. And there will be no room in our lives for Christ to heal us. And we're having this conversation because our lives, the true lives that God created us to have, depend upon it. This is a conversation about the life-saving, about life-saving and healing and allowing Christ and all that is holy to shape us into human beings that truly live rather than simply exist. So, avarice, what is it? Is it greed? Is it Ebenezer Scrooge sitting at his desk counting his money and ignoring the needs of everyone around him? Is it Scrooge taking great pride in his frugality, in his worn clothes and his shabby household? Is it Scrooge who will not risk loving again because Bell finally left him alone with his money? Well, yes, it is. But just because we might not live our lives like Ebenezer Scrooge, it doesn't mean that we don't struggle with this particular habit of the heart. Avarice is about much more than money. And in fact, the avaricious person may not appear to be greedy for money at all. Any definition of avarice must take into account that this habit of the heart affects every part of life and it is rooted in fear. You'll remember that we talked about the fact that pride and its traveling companions tend to make an idol of the self. In order to fill the gaping hole within them, those who struggle with pride or its companions idolize the self in an effort to create a sense of what they lack. For those who live with fear and its companions as their orientation of their heart, 
They seek to fill the hole with things that are from outside of themselves. People whose fundamental orientation to the world is fear will seek to build a fortress or make themselves into a fortress that will protect them all from everything that is frightening and uncertain, potentially painful in the world. Uncertainty and ambiguity require diligent defenses will keep all the bad things from happening. Sadly, these defenses also block participation in the good and the wonderful. In a sense, safety and the elimination of risk are the only things that matter to someone who struggles with some form of fear. Life will shrink to something small enough to be utterly safe and protected. So on that account, how do we define avarice? I'll offer you this definition. Avarice is the accumulation of things or knowledge beyond sufficiency and need. Avarice builds a fortress around self with the things which it accumulates. Now, avarice is most often associated with money, and, and it is often with money that we build a fortress and an illusion of safety in our lives. And for some people, there is never enough money, and they are never safe enough. I worked, once worked with someone in spiritual direction who had accumulated several million dollars in the bank by the time she and her husband turned 40. They were only middle managers in their corporation, so this represented huge frugality and carefulness about their spending. But she confessed that she was pretty sure it wasn't enough. She needed more to feel really secure the thing was, as we worked through it, the numbers at, and through the numbers, and we kept going up, she finally admitted that $10 million would not be enough for her. There was enough out there. She was sure that she could reach that goal, but she was sure that $10 million wouldn't be it. Fortunately for her and her marriage, her husband was as concerned as she was about that problem. And so they spent nothing, not a dime, more than was necessary, and they shopped incessantly for bargains. Now please, hear me really clearly. The issue here is not people who save prudently for retirement. That is absolutely necessary. I'm not advocating that anyone go out and be profligate with their money. The problem is in the inability to feel safe no matter how prudent and faithful one is. It is the idol that must be dethroned. Or, in another version, struggling with avarice can look like this. Father Fred and I have an acquaintance at that collects degrees. Maybe you know someone like this. Not honorary degrees, not easy degrees. She started by collecting an MD, and then teaching and practicing medicine made her restless, so she went off and got a master's degree in another field. 
And after a few years, she decided, well, she wanted yet another field. So she went off and got a master's degree and a PhD in this third field, all the while teaching and practicing with the degree she already had. We used to tease her that other people found hobbies and didn't spend their whole life in school pursuing an endless series of degrees. But from her perspective, there was never enough knowledge. She couldn't know enough. And having degrees that gave her a claim to expertise in the field was a way to be secure in that knowledge. It was not until she was in her late 40s that she gave degree gather, gathering a break. But her children are grown now. And I wouldn't be surprised if she's in school working on yet another degree. To paraphrase the writer of Ecclesiastes, of the accumulation of degrees, there is no end. Ecclesiastes says, of the making of books, there is no end. People who struggle with avarice instinctively know that knowing more than everyone else is power and safety. Controlling the flow of information to others is the ultimate form of power, and it's impossible to build yourself a fortress with your knowledge. Now, the goal for those who struggle with avarice is to have enough money or enough knowledge enough of their very selves that they never have to depend on anyone else who might disappoint them or hurt them. And because they get no pleasure from consumption, even spending money on groceries gives them pain. They do not give. They don't give money. They don't give things. They don't give themselves to other people. People who struggle with avarice often appear not to care very much about other people, and that's generally actually not true. Very warm and caring inside, but they're so distrustful of the new that it takes out a long time for them to sort safe from dangerous. And new people or new things are usually presumed dangerous until they are proven otherwise. At its very worst, these people with this habit of a heart are hoarders. They keep newspapers and plastic bags and anything and everything just in case. They will live in mountains of trash rather than risking throwing anything away because for some reason deep inside of them, they live out of an acute sense of scarcity. And so they literally build a fortress in their home out of everything with which they come in contact. Some of them will even hoard themselves. So some of you will remember this, some of you will have read about it, especially if you're a film buff, but think of Greta Garbo. Garbo was an incredible actress in the 30s, and she withdrew from public life after making a few great movies. She always appeared in photos wrapped in scarves all over herself and with sunglasses on, and she lived as a recluse. She only spoke to a few people for the rest of her life. The world was fascinated by Garbo. They couldn't get enough of the pictures of her, but truly, 
She was only hoarding herself to keep from risking it any longer. Now, as I said, the fundamental orientation here is fear, and fear always, always leads to idolatry. Here, the idol in this case wasn't money or things or knowledge. It's the safety that money or things or knowledge can bring. These are people who read those stories about Abraham and Moses in the Bible, and they're pretty sure that God is a God who always wants you to do something risky, like pack up and move from Babylon to Canaan or lead people out of Egypt into the promised land, and that God is not safe. And an unsafe God does not feel like a good God to these people. But there are real gifts that come from avarice or that habit of the heart. It is healed and made whole. And there are spiritual disciplines that can help you deal with it. The very first one, not surprisingly, is to give. To give things away. To throw out the trash. Not bring anything to your life without giving away something. Give to God's work. Give without strings. Find a way to give a percentage of what you earn to the charities that you believe in and be faithful about it year upon year upon year. You must remember people out there whose lives will be changed by your ability to change your own life. Second, teach or mentor someone. Invest yourselves in others or yourself. Teaching, if you do it well, requires that you give all of yourself and all of that knowledge that you have accumulated it also means that you must be out in front of a group taking responsibility for what they learn from you. It means you cannot hang out in your fortress of knowledge. Giving of your time and gifts in caring for others, in teaching them, is a way to heal the habit of the heart. Third and lastly, find someone with whom you can share yourself. Perhaps it's a spiritual director, perhaps it's a good friend, but practice sharing yourself with that person. Tell that person the truth about yourself and about how you feel. Don't keep it edited and closed off. Tell the whole truth. Because once you let down, let someone into the fortress, only then can you take the fortress down. The virtues that come out of that hard work of dealing with this habit of the heart are courage and objectivity. Courage can express itself physically as well as spiritually, and it can be seen in those who finally make the step to take the risk with themselves into something unknown that they didn't know how to do before. And then there's objectivity. Objectivity is a sort of clear-mindedness that makes use of all that knowledge and learning. It's a gift 
an ability to see where and what the implications might be of statements or actions or positions. When you have learned to manage your fear and not to be managed by it, you can be objective and helpful to others. When they're redeemed, the people who struggle with avarice believe Jesus when he says, do not be afraid, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure that I give you the kingdom. They believe him too when he says, so do not be afraid because you are worth more to my Father than many sparrows. Jesus speaks a lot to those who are afraid in this world assuring them of their worth and the love of God. He understood the fearful. He could see them, for they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd, and he loved them and was not willing for them to remain afraid. In the end, he invites every one of us, afraid or not, to pick up our cross and follow him. But you can't follow anyone if you don't come out of your fortress. Those who have struggled with avarice and allowed Christ to heal them are people who have learned to put their trust in God. They have traded a world filled with threats for a world filled with peace. And they've developed those gifts of courage and objectivity. Their certainty in Christ's love and presence with them gives them the ability to act and remain frozen in place. And after all, which one would you rather have? Courage, clarity, and certainty in God's love or a fragile fortress that we've built ourselves. Amen.